Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for September 13th is the book of Joel, three chapters. And nobody is really certain when this book was written or who Joel was. He's not mentioned in other places. He's quoted in other places, namely in Acts chapter 2, referring to this Holy Spirit outpouring, this birth of the ecclesia, which is translated as the word church. Most people believe it was written around the year 865 BC, before the Babylonian exile, foretelling of future events, some of which have transpired and some of which have not. For Peter to have quoted Joel 2 on the day of Pentecost, it shows us at least a portion of these prophecies have been fulfilled, and yet there remains to be seen the fullness of the manifestation of these prophecies. And so we are excited about the future day of the Lord or the day of Yahweh, how he is going to manifest his presence and how he is going to be with us forever. Many of these prophecies are fulfilled partially and then there remains a fullness. Just like with Jesus coming, the coming Messiah, he came once as a lamb, but he will return as a lion in chapter 1, verse 2, has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? So he's referring to something that's unlike anything that's ever taken place before. And we've seen the people of Israel exiled throughout history, and it seems like there's this building up, even with the time that Hitler and the Nazis rounded up and killed 6 million Jews in the 1930s and 40s. People would say, has anything like this ever happened before in the history of the world, in the history of the Hebrew people? Has it ever happened like this before? I'm sure a lot of people thought this must be the end of the world, and yet here we are 80 years later. There remains to be seen a fulfillment of the final prophecy. It talks about total loss, what the devouring locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten, what the swarming locust has left, the young locust has eaten, what the young has left, the destroying has eaten. It's this picture of total devastation, annihilation of the crops, the plants that are in the field. They are not only food, but they are also seed for next year's crop. And so not only is the provision for today taken, but the provision to plant for the future is taken. It's devastating. In verse 6, it says, a nation has invaded my land. Who is this nation? Farmers be ashamed at the perishing of your work, that there's nothing left Indeed, human joy has dried up, it says at the end of verse 12. Every physical possession gone. There is no hope for the weary in this life, in the midst of this prophecy and whatever future events. You can only imagine for the Jewish people living in Poland and in Holland and throughout Europe, 
especially in Germany, they must have felt there was no hope. Verse 14, announce a sacred fast, proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the residents of the, ha- of the land at the house of Yahweh your God and cry out to him. There is nothing left to do, friends, when you're faced with utter desolation and everything is taken from you. There's nowhere else to turn, and that is exactly the point. If only we would turn to him before everything was stripped away. Verse 15, there's this transition, the coming day of Yahweh. What is this day? As we touched on yesterday, if you're a believer of the 7,000-year theory of human history, and that each day of creation was a literal 24-hour period, but also representative of a 1,000-year foretelling of humanity. We are nearing that seventh-day rest now. We are in the sixth day where men are being built up into the image of God. The people of God are becoming more and more like him. We are understanding our authority. We are becoming sanctified. Part of that is this terrible exposing of the wolves that are in with the sheep, the wolves in sheep's clothing. It's the exposing of the tares that are mixed in with the wheat. We are living in the midst of it right now, and we're coming into this day of the Lord, this Sabbath day rest where Jesus will be reigning for 1,000 years in literal physical form. The day of Yahweh is near and will come as devastation from the Almighty. Listen, it won't be devastating for his people who are walking with him. That's why it's the great and terrible day. It's great for those who love him and are walking with him. It's terrible for those who are opposed to him, who are believing with their actions, showing their belief that he is never coming back. Those who are exalting themselves and taking advantage of other people to enrich themselves, it will be terrible. And it will be very difficult to watch, even for those of us who are walking with him. We don't rejoice when God judges the wicked, we can rejoice for the end result, but we don't ever want to see anybody suffer. I don't ever want to see anybody get what they deserve. I know what I deserve. Chapter 2, continuing about this day, this coming day of the Lord, and it talks about this army that is coming, and there are all kinds of differences of, pe- of what people think this army represents. On one level, it could represent the people of God, the army of Yahweh. Just humor me as we read, The day of Yahweh is coming. In fact, it is near a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and total darkness like the dawn spreading over the mountains. You can see it coming. It's spreading as the sun rises and it lights up the land. That is what the day of Yahweh will be like. We'll see it coming. We'll see its effect on the environment. A great and strong people appears, such as never existed in ages past and never will again in all the generations to come. Could this great and strong people be the people of God? 
A fire devours in front of them, and behind them a flame blazes. The land in front of them is like the Garden of Eden, but behind them it is like a desert wasteland. And I believe it's a prophetic picture of what the people are going toward. They're going toward this time where the land will be like the Garden of Eden. Sounds like the millennial reign, where even the fiercest beasts become vegetarian. So we're going toward God's design for creation and leaving the broken, corrupted, sin-filled world behind. Nations writhe in horror before them. I believe that's referring to the unbelievers. It's referring to the people who are not working with God. It's probably the people who are the government leaders and the political elite in this day and time. The earth quakes before them, the sky shakes, the sun and the moon grow dark. Yahweh makes his voice heard in the presence of his army. His camp is very large. Those who carry out his commands are powerful. Indeed, the day of Yahweh is terrible and dreadful. Who can endure it? Even now, this is Yahweh's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to Yahweh, your God. For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and he reigns and he relents from sending disaster. So even to the people of this world who are holding on to the end, trying to amass riches for themselves, trying to take advantage of those, even those people, God is pleading with them in this day and time to say, please repent. Get your priorities straight before it's too late. God is patient. He is kind. He's abounding in faithful love to any who will just humble themselves. Humble yourself before it's too late. Then the promise of for God's people, the promise to God's people. Look, I'm about to send you grain, new wine, and fresh oil. You will be satiated with them, and I will no longer make you a disgrace among the nations. And so there's this hope, this hope of this great time, this transfer of wealth from the wicked to the righteous, where God's saying, your meekness will be rewarded. Your delayed gratification will be fulfilled. In verse 26, my people will never again be put to shame. You will know that I am present in Israel and that I am Yahweh your God and there is no other. My people will never again be put to shame. Friends, we're still being put to shame. Some of these prophecies have yet to be fulfilled and so it must be a future day. And it says, even after this, now this is the passage that Peter quotes on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. After this, in verse 28, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my spirit on the male and female slaves in those days and they will display wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of Yahweh comes. There is this coming time, this coming day in which the people of God will be rewarded for their faithfulness. The wicked will be rewarded for their unfaithfulness, for their selfishness. There is a judgment coming to the earth. 
And friends, it will be great and it will be terrible. It will be mighty and it will be horrific for those who are willing to humble themselves and exalt the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, for those who are willing to partner with the God of the universe, those of us who are willing to submit ourselves to his leadership and admit it's his way, not our way. It's his way or the highway. They will be blessed and they will live with him forever. And I've got to go back to chapter 2, verse 13. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes. On the inside, be heartbroken over your sin. Return to Yahweh your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. Friends, he wants a relationship with you. He is the only way to true happiness. And he's waiting. He's waiting for you. May God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.